Father, we come before you this afternoon and we ask that you take away the men and that you speak to your people in the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray for this in the name of Jesus Christ, the almighty name. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. It is a pleasure to be with you this afternoon and we thank you for coming and spending this time in the presence of God with us. Um, just a few words. Um, we're glad to have Pastor Perry officially on board. Um, for those of you who don't know, Pastor Perry and I, we go back probably literally a decade since I came to Florida. Uh, we've been working together in the camps with Pastor Gaston um, in Lake Yale, doing conferences all over the state. Um, and when his body left to go study in seminary and go minister up north, his spirit never left. We used to talk every week, if not every day. And I can testify, this man of God never left redemption. Always knows what's going on at redemption, always has a heart for redemption. It was just a question of time after God would form him, bring him back to minister amongst us. And we're happy to have you, Pastor. And, and so normally he should be preaching now, but he's been preaching this morning two times. So we're going to give him a break. Amen. 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 So please open your Bibles with me in John chapter 11. And as you know, we are in this series called Fall Classics. Uh, we have a lot of classics in our lives. Um, if you follow basketball, Ray Allen, game six shot, that is a classic. Um, I'm sure previous generation, Jordan winning three times and then another three times, that's a classic. Uh, if you're into music, Whitney Houston singing, I will always love you, that's a classic. And those classics, they stay with us. But spiritually speaking, we have Bible verses that are also classics. And today we're at the tail end of that series, which we hope has been a blessing to you. Our verse today is the shortest verse of the Bible, of the English Bible. So please follow with me in John chapter 11, and we're going to read from verse 32 to verse 34. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would have not died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved and in his spirit greatly troubled. And he was, and he said, sorry, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved them. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also kept this man from dying? Touch your neighbor said, there's always a hater. There's always a hater. Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an order, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, 
Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he has said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. God's word is already blessed. So our verse for today is the shortest verse of the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And first we see in, in, in this passage, it's just two words, was Jesus and wept. It's good to understand who we're talking about, who that Jesus is, and then what is happening here. We've, we've done with you in the past few, few weeks, a fall classics, and we started with John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, which tells us that the, the, the son in question is the savior of the world. And then we went to Philippians 4.13 that says, what, what does that say? I can do all things through him or through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, why would you be able to live whether you're rich and you're content or whether you're poor and you're content? Is because you find your satisfaction on the one who is on the throne, Jesus Christ. And so that's why I can do all things is because I find my strength and my purpose in Jesus Christ. I don't find it in money. I don't find it in my profession. I find it in my Savior, which is Jesus Christ. And then we went and we found out that, you know, even though we're going through a hard time, even though we're going through hell and high water, like they say, we know that God in Jeremiah 29, 11, he has great plans for us. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans not to harm you, but to, to bless you, to give you hope and a future. So we know that, first, that he's the Savior. Second, he's on the throne. And we know that his plans are good for us. Uh, and, and we know that he also has the power because we saw in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that Jesus walking in the earth, he's not a, only a prophet. He's not only a teacher. He's not only a wise man. He is God Almighty walking on this earth. He's the creator. John 1, 1 says, nothing that was created was created without him. So the man that walked on this earth, Jesus Christ, is the creator of everything. And he created us, Ephesians 2.10, for good works, for good purpose. And so we would be wise in Proverbs 3 to put our trust in him. So now we understand that in this situation, nothing took Jesus by surprise. He was in control. And, and there's certain things in this passage that attract our, our attention. Now, we're going to go back to the beginning a little bit of, of this chapter. It kind of sets the stage. And it says in um, chapter Verse 1, it says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness 
does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place. This kind of doesn't make sense, right? So what we're finding in this passage is there's a strong relationship between this family, which is Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, and Jesus. There was such a deep bond between them that we would find later on in the book of John that Mary came to Jesus with a, a, a perfume that was so pricey that it was the equivalent of a year's worth of a wage of a worker. So imagine how whatever your salary is, so maybe if you make $40,000 a year or you make $100,000 a year, that was a pricey perfume, a pricey ointment that she came and she poured it at Jesus' feet and washed his feet. That's how much she valued Jesus. How many people are willing, January 1st, you take a year worth of your salary and you donate it to the church? Amen. Say amen. 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 Now, I, I, I'm not judging you because I haven't done that yet. You know, I haven't wrote that check for a full year's salary. But she did that. She took a year's worth of value and poured it at Jesus' feet. And you see there was a strong bond be between them. So understanding that Jesus loved them so much that when they sent word to Jesus, they said, Jesus, um, Lazarus, the one you love is sick. If you want to figure out which Lazarus we're talking about, we're talking about the one you love. And so you would think what happens to somebody we love, so when something bad happens to somebody we love, we don't take our time. We get faster. I remember when DJ was just born. He hadn't been born a long time. He had like some bronchiolitis or, or whatnot. And so he was at the clinic. And my wife, she sent me a text. And the text, that was years, years ago. And the text was a picture of DJ in the hospital bed with a mask. I get up, I go see my boss and my son's in the hospital. Deuce says, all right, go. I go, I get in my car and I, boom. Then comes the second text. Oh, it's not that bad, Take, don't worry. <laughs> all right. But I'm already in my car and driving because my son was hurt. When somebody we love gets hurt, we're generally prompt to act. We're generally fast to act. Here it says, Jesus loved Lazarus. And then verse 6 says, so when he heard he was ill, verse 6, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he got up and, no, no, he stayed two days longer. He stayed two days longer. We sing a lot of times, God is in control, God is in control. But how many times we feel that God is in control? Yes, but I need him to be in control right now and act faster. You ever been in a situation where you felt that God was taking too much time? You ever felt in a situation where you're asking God, God, I need you right now, but it takes two days. It takes time. 
And sometimes we don't understand why, but what I need you to understand and what I need to understand myself this afternoon is God is in control. God is in full control. But that control is not by itself. It comes with the fact that God also has compassion. He also has compassion. It says in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Now, the core of the message tonight, this afternoon, is Jesus wept because he cared. He is full. We, we saw that the one that is here, he's the one that says, I am the bread of life. When he multiplied the bread, he, is, he said, I am the light of the world. When he, like they said in the passage, he took a blind man and gave him sight. When there was a storm, he walked on the water and he told to the storm, be quiet. We saw him that he was God in, his, in the fact that he was able to multiply the bread, that he controlled creation, that he walked over the water. But yet, he sees them crying. He sees them hurting and he himself cries. And what I want to tell you this afternoon, that whatever you're going through, he's going through it with you. When you're by yourself at night and you're crying, but he's not only watching you, say, okay, watching you. No, he also has compassion and he's also crying with you. When we go to the meaning of compassion, for those of you who who, who like to go deeper in the text, in the words. Compassion comes from the Latin, it means come, which is con, means with, and passion, which means to suffer, suffering. So when you have compassion of someone, you, you, you suffer with them. It's kind of similar with sympathy. Sim is also a word that means with, and pati, suffer. So when, when somebody is going to something, you tell them, my sympathies, meaning I, I sympathize with you, I, I suffer with you, or, or if somebody's going through something and you see it and, it and then you have empathy, you show that you care about what they are going through. So officially, compassion is feeling of sorrow or deep tenderness for one who is suffering or experiencing misfortune. Uh, it, it is Compassion is literally suffering with another. It's when you suffer with somebody else. And we see in this passage that though Jesus had the power to create the whole universe, he saw his beloved people suffering and he decided to suffer with them. Jesus wept. They were weeping, so he decided he also wept with them. He is in control and he has compassion and then so therefore we ask ourselves well if he's in control and he has compassion he cares about what I'm going through he cares about my suffering why is it that I'm going through what I'm going through have you ever had a challenge in your life and then you say oh God why why me amen anybody amen you said God why me oh somebody said or you you get to a job and you have there's five bosses in the job and you get the bad one 
You get the one that is the, uh, the nasty boss. And that guy, why? Why didn't I get her or him? And, and we often ask that question, why me? That question is not a bad question. But the intent behind that question is a little misguided. Because when we're asking why me, what we're really saying to God is how come me? What we're really meaning, if you follow me, is we're not saying, why is this happening to me? You're saying, how come this is happening to me? Because, God, I've been serving you faithfully. I come to church every Sunday. I don't, I don't cuss. I don't, I, don't, I don't steal. I don't do all those bad things. How come then this bad situation has happened to me? God, you know, I do all my thing. How come I, I graduated from university? How come I'm not able to get a good job? Or, 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 or you know, I'm not, I'm not seeking any trouble, but how come they get on my case at work? And whatever the case is, or, or why am I afflicted with this disease? I haven't done anything. My parents serve you. Why is it me that's afflicted with this disease? And so we ask, how come? And that's the story of the book of Job. In the book of Job, Job falls sick in his, he's sick in his body so much that, well, number one, before we run, he loses, he was rich, he loses all his fortune, he loses everything. And then his family members, his children, they all pass away. They all pass away, all his children. That's the toughest thing that you ever had to go through, is to lose a child. And then his body gets sick. And he gets sick to the point that he has warts all over his body. So now the man who was rich, he's on the corner and the dogs come to him to lick his warts. And the dogs even are disgusted. So his friends come and they try to comfort him, but they're bad friends. And, and basically the whole conversation of the book of Job is Job. How did you mess up? What did you do to deserve this? And Job is like, guys, dude, I didn't do nothing. Like, I, I, I live straight. He said, no, no, no. You must have done something for all those bad things to happen to you. And that's the whole book, all 39 chapters. And then come chapter 40 of the book where God now reveals himself. And God shows, number one, to the friends Y'all are bad friends because he's my servant and he's faithful. Even if he's going through a hard time, that doesn't mean that I have abandoned him. You know you could be faithful to God and you still go through a bad time. That was Job's story. He did nothing wrong, but he still went through a bad time. Horrible time. And then at the end, when Job is like, God, why did you do that to me? And God reveals himself. So when you're going through something, one is to reveal your character. It's to reveal your character. So life is not about what happens to you, it's what, about what happens through you, what happens inside of you. And so asking the why is the right question. It's asking God, why am I going through this in the sense that what do you want me to learn through this challenge? How is your good purpose going to be revealed? Taking you back to the beginning passage when, when, when um, Jesus said, this sickness is not to death, but it is for the glory of God so that you would see that I am basically the one that God sent. 
that the Son of God was sent by God. So God has a purpose for your pain. God has a good purpose for why you're going through what you're going through. He has a good purpose for this hard relationship in your life. He has a good purpose for the fact that you're born in a family and you can't stand your parents. Amen. Now, don't say amen because you're on camera. They're going to know. They're going to know. But, but, but there's a good purpose. There's a good purpose for all those hardships that we go through. And, and, and I'll, be, I, I'll be honest. I, I have to repent myself because I can't stand this pandemic. I can't stand it. There's so much stuff that we got to do with so much things that we go. That, that pandemic need to go. How many people are with me? Pandemic, you got to go. Pandemic, it's time to go. It's time to go. But what if the pandemic was also in the plan of God? What if we're exactly where God wanted us to be? Now, I don't know why exactly that, why that would be. But I know that he's in control. And I know that even though men might do this and might, at the end of the day, God is in control. And God has compassion. So the fact that he's in control and the fact that he has compassion, that brings me to say, okay, well, if I'm going through this, there's got to be a purpose. If you're going through something, understand that there, there is a purpose. If you're broke, and then later on, God answers, reveals himself as Jehovah Jireh and provides for all your need. Next time that you see somebody broke, you're going to be less judgmental towards them. If you lost a loved one, and the thing is, we all go through something in life. You know what unites the whole human race? The whole human race, whether you're white, black, Hispanic, whether you're old, young, we all have one thing in common, or two. One, the blood is red, but two, we all go through suffering. We all go through suffering. It is a lie to think that, oh, if I would have this level of income, if I would have a million dollars, I would be all good. That's a lie. How do you know that's a lie? You look at the people who have it, and they're still not good. And they still have substance abuse. And they still go through divorce after divorce after divorce. They still go through all the hardship that we go through. It's just in their case, it's more public. We suffer in private. They suffer in public. We all have something. If it's not the money, it's the health. If it's not the health, it's a relationship. If it's not a relationship, it's loss. And at the end, it's all a sense of loss. But that loss has a purpose. And if one purpose to give you more compassion towards other people that are going through the same. You know, there's a saying that says religion is a crutch. Religion is a crutch. And people use that saying to kind of say that if you're a religious person, it's because you're weak. You know, I don't need religion. I'm strong. But that's a lie. The reality is, everybody's broken. Everybody's broken. I, 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 I don't care if you're born in, in Beverly Hills, you're born in Brooklyn, you're born in Pompano, everybody is broken. The smart person that is broken is the one that takes the crutch. You know, imagine like, oh, I don't need a crutch, and then you're crawling on the floor. Dude, get off the floor, get the crutch. But Jesus 
is the one that fixes things. He's the one that fixes everything. And in that passage that we didn't have time to read, when he's talking to Martha, and Martha's like questioning, well, he said, well, if you had been there, he would have lived. And then he said, well, I told you, he's going to live. I said, yeah, yeah, I know he's going to come back to life in the last day. And then Jesus said this, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And in our lives, Jesus reveals himself in what we need. And at that moment, she needed resurrection and life. And so he has control. He has compassion. When we go through the hardship, rather than to say, why me? Like, how come it's me? Say, God, why me? What do you want? Because you know what Jesus showed in this passage? He had confidence. He had, he had confidence that this situation was going to end up for the glory of God. He says in verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. You notice how he speaks in the past. I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around that they might believe you sent me. And Jesus shows full confidence. He shows full confidence in God that that situation that we're in is going to turn out for his glory. And I want to tell you this afternoon that whatever situation that you're in is going to turn out for God's glory. That hardship that you're facing in school and the kids going is going to turn out to God's glory. But have confidence in number one that he has compassion, that he loves you like nobody else loves you. I want you to do an exercise for me right now. I want you to think about the thing that you love the most. If it's a person that you love the most, think about them. If it's a car, for some people here, it might be your car, you have a nice ride, you think about that. Whatever it is that you love the most, if it's your spouse, it's your spouse. If it's your children, it's your children. Think about them for a second. Jesus loves you more. However wide and, and deep your love is for someone or something, understand Jesus loves you more. And it's hard to imagine the love of Christ. It's hard to, to fathom the love of Christ because it surpasses our understanding. It surpasses our experience. We have to understand who we're, we're talking about. So when he says, I'm the resurrection and the life, and in this miracle, he refigures. He shows, like us, he shows us like an example of what's going to happen. He raises Lazarus from the dead. But that is a pre-shadow of him when he was going to die and he was going to be laid to rest for three days and then he was going to move the stone and he was going to rise again. He is the resurrection and the life. And the, uh, the, one of the problems that we have is that we think of life as the moment here and now. We think of life as the moment that we're here. I'm born in, let's say, 1980. That's not my real birthday. 1980 or 1990. Amen. No. 
does that mean? 21 years old? 31? I'll take it. 1990. And we think of our life as the span that we, we, we spend on this earth. But that's not your life. That's the layover. That's just the layover on your way to eternity. Your life is in Christ. And your life in Christ will last forever and ever and ever. And while we're here, we are that masterpiece that we spoke about. And, you, and we're in that process of working for Christ for when we get there. There was a um, testimony that I, that I heard. Now, I heard the testimony. Um, listened to it with a grain of salt. But it was this guy from Belgium. And um, he was sick. He was sick on really what would be his deathbed. And while he was sick, he went to the other side. And he saw Christ. And he said Christ was the most beautiful thing he ever saw. He was like, wow. Wow, Father, I, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. Wow, like he's so, he saw heaven and it's so beautiful and it's so great. He's like, man, I'm done with earth. I don't want to go back. And he said he saw a field, a field of flowers. And the field of flowers, he asked, are those, does that represent the, 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 the saved? He says, yes, that represents the saved. He's like, oh, wow. And then he sees the field, but it's empty. It's kind of like the, the ground is plowed, ready to, 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 for the seeds to be sowed, but it, it's empty. And he says, what does that represent? And that field was bigger than the first field. And he said, that represents the people that are yet to come in the kingdom. The people that are yet to be saved and come to the kingdom. And that's why I need you to go back. Because we still got work to do to fill up the kingdom of God. But he was like, I, I don't want to go back. He said, yes, I need you to go back. And then what convinced him, okay, yes, I'm going to go back, is they got to the abyss, the, the, like a hole that separates heaven and hell. And then they looked over, and there was people in there, and they were like, oh, please help me, help me, please help me, help me. And there's suffering, and suffering, and suffering that never stops, suffering, suffering that never stops. And... Jesus that was there, that was the Lamb, of, the Lamb of Judah, the Lamb of God. He was kind, but then he leaped over. Too late! Too late! Too late! That's the Lion of Judah. We have a work to do on this earth. And our work is to make sure heaven is, is full and hell is empty. And that's why we're here. And everything that we go through, all the challenges that we go through are towards the purpose of giving glory to God. Our giving purpose to, for, for God's testimony in our lives to be alive and to be well because we have work to do. We're not here to, 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 to just be good. We're not here. And a lot of times we look at life, especially in America, as uh, how much comfort can I get? How much comfort when I, can, I, can I achieve? But what God wants for us is not how much comfort, it's how much impact we can have. It's how much impact we can have. In high school, how much impact can I have? In middle school, how much impact can I have? At work, how much impact can I have as a representative of Christ? Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. That 
that miracle is a foreshadow of him rising. And him rising is the confidence that we have that we will rise with him. And knowing that we will rise with him and that this is not the end, this is not it. What is it is when we go and we be in the presence of God. That is what is it. But it's hard to understand unless you have the comforter. The comforter, Jesus says, when I leave, I will give you the comforter. The comforter is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit takes what Jesus has taught us and makes it alive in our lives. He makes it alive in our hearts. So I can speak these words and somebody that's a non-believer, he won't understand. But you that's a believer, that believe in Christ, that gave your life to him, you know that eventually you'll be reunited with him. And the question is, while you're here, how much are you building? How much are you building for the, for, for the kingdom of God? I have a confession. I think I said that already. But we like houses. We like to visit them nice houses. And I like it. I'm not ashamed. Confess. I like that. I like to visit. And I know some of your parents... They, 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 they put money aside, and, and what they're doing with that money, they bought land in Haiti, and they're sending, and they're building, building a house, right? They're building a house, because once they're done working here, they want to go back home. They want to go back home and, and, and live in, in their land. This is not your land. What we'll do here is we're building for the, we're building we're building. And we need to have confidence that everything that we're going through is in God's purpose for what he has planned for us, the good plans that he has for us. Jesus wept means that he cares. Jesus wept means that he's right there, even though he has the power to change things. And even though he's going to use that power to change things in his time, while you're going through the pain, he still cares. He's still there and he still weeps. And I want to leave you with this verse. Follow with me in 1 Peter 5, verse 6 and 7. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. One of the toughest things that we have to do is to humble ourselves when we're going through hardship and say, God, not my will, your will be done. God, I don't understand everything, but I'm going to trust you. I know you're in control. I know you love me. So I'm going to have trust and confidence in your plan. I met a guy one time, and worship teams, you guys can come up. I met a guy, and I, I was in Montreal, and I'm walking, and I see this guy. And I said, you know what? Let me, let me talk to him about Jesus. Let me share with him. So I go, and I share with him about Jesus, and he says, you know what? I had my sister. She was sick. I prayed God. I prayed God. She was sick. She died. So God, and he flipped the finger at God. And I feel for him, right? I can't, you know, I can't judge him. It's hard when you lose. 
when you lose loved ones, when you lose a job, when you lose property. It's hard when you, when you lose it. But God gave us a promise. If we humble ourselves before him, he will raise us up at the proper time. Therefore, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Whatever you're going through, bring it to him because he cares for you. God bless you.